Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit giving hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or just overrun by a complicated life. In this series called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, you'll learn how the mind works, what motivates our choices, and find biblically-based keys to help your decision-making processes. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg, and welcome to Freedom to Choose and our new series called Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Uh, good good title, The Way Out of Your Prison. What prison are we talking about? I think it's more the prison of your mind, not necessarily a physical prison, say, you know, like in a jail or something, but the prison that we all are in. Mm-hmm. You know, we're imprisoned by our beliefs and our actions and our regrets and our resentments and anger and um, so many times we can be in bondage. We don't. I don't think we even realize how how much anger or hate or stuff controls our actions and and, and how that that um, keeps us in bondage and um, tied up in the um, in that behavior. You know yeah. what I mean. So to be free from that is a is a big deal. Sure, it is. Uh, and what we're doing is we're actually just giving giving everyone a little taste of the book. Uh, as we do this new series, it's uh, the book is 256 pages. It's all new content, totally different from our other workbook. But even though it has that many pages, it's something that's laid out beautifully, and the text is really understandable. And and oh. it's uh, you know it's just really a, a been a blessing to us in our lives as well as to everybody else that we've shared it with. So and it's also is a combined effort between Dr. Jennings and myself, uh, and. Uh, we're just we're really excited about the thing and if you want to get one you can give us a call 916-645-1297 or you can uh, you can reach us online at www.justasiamministries.com uh, and that's way and we'll send one out free there you go um Susan, would you begin with a word of prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you again for um another opportunity to discuss um your the way you've created us and how you've designed us to work in in freedom and um, in harmony with your principles. So uh, we just ask your spirit to be with us and to guide our our minds and our thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, God's a deity of order. And uh, what we're going to talk about here is the hierarchy of the mind. In other words, the organizational structure. When God creates, he doesn't do so chaotically, but in in an orderly, organized manner. When God made humanity, he designed their brains to function in a certain way. And this program will explore the organizational structure of our mind, understanding its hierarchy, and this will help us, or it'll, it'll enable us to make intelligent choices and, and heal us up. That's right. And the highest faculties we possess are those that are most directly reflect the image of God, ones that many Christians refer to as our spiritual nature, and that God intended to to govern us. The spiritual nature is not an ethereal, mystical, vaporous entity that enters or leaves the body. It actually consists of qualities and and abilities that make us most godlike, most in his image. They are the traits that separate 
us from the animals, and not only that, but they make us accountable to God. That's right. And the highest faculty in our mind is our ability to reason, to think, to weigh evidence, and then to draw conclusions. It enables us to contemplate and to understand. That's right. Uh, Next in the um, organizational um, structure is our conscience. Um, Because um, humans don't possess infinite knowledge, reason alone is not sufficient for healthy decision-making or for discrimination. As a further aid, therefore, God designed the conscience to work jointly with reason. The conscience is a spiritual eye, if you will. It is the faculty through which the Spirit of God communicates directly to us, the one that hears the voice of God speaking quietly. That's you can you can read about that in in, in 1 Kings 19 chapter 19 verse 12. When some Christians say the Spirit told me in my spirit, they are referring to their conscience. That's right. And just as the physical eye can turn light into neural energy and transmit information to the brain, the conscience transmits spiritual impressions to the brain for understanding. Remember that the physical eye can be diseased and unhealthy and therefore see things unclearly or even things that don't really exist. And in a similar manner, the conscience can become diseased and unhealthy, causing people to experience impressions that are disordered, distorted, or even totally fanciful. That's kind of weird to think of a diseased conscience, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when, when your conscience messed up, you know, you can have a tendency to give yourself the okay to do some strange things. When does, you know, does your conscience speak after you or does it shut off after the third bowl of Rocky Road ice cream? Right. You know, when does it, when does it shut off? When do you, when do you modify your beliefs that things are okay and, and you can actually, you know, shut that conscience off? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's healthy for us to remember that just as our spiritual eye can be diseased— you know, whether we become nearsighted or farsighted or blind, so can the conscience. That's right. And initially, information reaching the mind via the conscience has no greater value than information reaching us through any other avenue. Our reasoning powers must evaluate it to determine if the impression or the voice is, in fact, from God or a counterfeit. Therefore, we may be impressed with some message or idea, but that impression or idea is not evidence in itself. It will have validity only as corroborating evidence supports it. Yeah, I can't count the times that I've had gut feelings that were wrong and gut feelings that were right. Right. Just depends, you know. God designed reason and conscience to work in concert with one another for healthy discernment and discrimination as well as for valid decision-making. When reason functions alone without conscience, one may develop intellectual theories such as evolutionism or Marxism that may have the appearance of wisdom, but they deny the existence of God and the principles of his government. That's right. And reason working without conscience can also rationalize unhealthy behavior in order to avoid responsibility and corrective action. Many criminals can use their reasoning abilities to commit crimes and to evade capture, but that can only occur when the conscience is unhealthy or inactive. To make healthy choices, reason must have the restraining hand of conscience. Yeah, it's it's the influence of God working through the conscience and via the revelation of truth that sanctifies, or in other words, makes healthy your reason. Conscience alone can't be trusted to guide without the balance of reason. When conscience leads our decision-making independently from reason, 
oh, we may end up trying to ride the Hale-Bopp Comet or fly airplanes into buildings, you know. After all, to commit mass suicide with Jim Jones or Heaven's Gate or to turn passenger planes into suicide bombs, one may be conscientious, but what about reasonable? Right, right. Um, And the final faculty that completes our spiritual nature is an innate desire to drive or worship. An inherent part of our being, everyone experiences it, whether they admit it or not. It might not be um, God, but it, you know, it could be the Dallas Cowboys or the 49ers. It could be money, power, a pop culture fi- figure such as Madonna, uh, the scientific method, or you can even um, worship yourself. But everyone worships something. Some might call this a drive for meaning or purpose, a looking outside of oneself or a frame of orientation for something that gives focus, meaning, purpose, and understanding to life. In his book, Way to Wisdom, Carl Jasper summarizes the situation this way, that which you hold to, upon which you stake your existence, that is truly your God. Richard Creel offers similar insight in a religion in his book, Religion and Doubt. A person's deity is that which actually dominates that person's life, giving it unity, direction, and inspiration, whether the person realizes it or not. And that's interesting. Um, the question is not, do we worship? Rather, it is, what are we worshiping? Give me some examples of some dangerous things to worship. Well, I think a lot of times we can worship another person. Yeah. And so we put that person in the place of God, and um, that can we can get all kinds of, of trouble on, on the whole spectrum of All kinds of, of levels there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and like you talked about before, we worship sports teams or... Or, um, or what about an unhealthy picture of God? That, too, is absolutely. You know, because, I mean, didn't Jesus walk by the Pharisees and tell them, sorry, you're worshiping the wrong guy. You're of your father, the devil, because their picture of God was the devil. Right. They they had the scriptures. They they worshiped. They had their temple. They were the most religious people on the planet. And what did Jesus say? You got the wrong guy. Right. And so their beliefs and who and who they worshiped and everything, that, that that caused them to use the faculties of their mind to crucify their creator. Yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. They they used their reason and their damaged, diseased conscience. conscience. Right. And they nailed their creator to a cross. That's right. Wow. And so that's and you know what in the Bible and I don't know what the scripture is but it says come let us reason together. Yes. You know God tells us that we're to be reasoning people. God doesn't want us to be robots. He doesn't plant a a chip inside our brain to say think this way. He wants us to exercise the faculties that he's provided to us. And for us to be healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. But to part you know and to participate, participate. in life yeah. you bet. Absolutely. I mean you can worship a dynamic speaker. Right. right. Yes. Now, what if that dynamic speech or who you fall in love with, if you will, mm-hmm. is where is is got an unhealthy picture of God? Right. Right. You see, then you can really get into trouble mm-hmm. because we lose the ability to think for ourselves. We lose those abilities, and and we get swallowed up in some destructive beliefs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anything that displaces God in in our center of worship, and you know, everybody just needs to think about it because we all do it. 
We all we all worship something, yeah. whether it's money or or our jobs or you know there there's things that are displacing the place that only God belongs. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, so imagine your family gathered in the evening for worship around the idol of a little golden frog, because that's that's what they did in Egypt. Yeah, um, that's what they did in Egypt. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. And so Christianity teaches us not to look at self, but at Christ. So why does God say, worship me? Is he insecure? Does he somehow need our validation and approval? Does it really matter what we worship? Well, you know, you, you think about that, you, especially when you look at Jesus, you have the perfect picture of God and how he acts. And he says, worship me, right? Because, and, and, and because you can get into trouble. I mean, we talked earlier about worshiping oneself or one's own opinion or worshiping uh, uh, or being so worried about salvation. I mean, that's what self-centered religions are, you know, like perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more time you spend analyzing your faults, the more, by default, self-centered you become. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's why people give up on religion is because the expectations of perfection come at them at a faster rate than they're willing to raise their standards, or they're even capable of raising their standards. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they're looking at the, at the, you know, the expectations of other people, and they're, and they're, you know, you have to modify your beliefs. We talked about it in an earlier episode. Uh, when you're a drug addict, you're modifying your beliefs and lowering your standards. Then all of a sudden you get into religion and you're modifying your beliefs and you're, tr- you're supposedly raising your standards, but perfectionism has you looking at yourself all the time. Right. And, and modifying your beliefs and you can't modify them quick enough as all to meet these the expectations. perfect Exactly. Right. And that's where religion fails because and, we keep our eyes on Jesus, not on ourselves. Right. And I think that and I think that that's that's the key, like you said, is to keep your eyes on Jesus and recognize, you know, what his story, what what his story of his life was and how he treated people who were caught in sin and yeah. and damaged human beings and it was more about, you know, you're my child. Um, believe that, and I can heal you. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, I need you to do this, that, and the other thing. Here's your long list of, of you better, you know, measure up. No, he's a physician. Right. You know, he'll give you the proper medication you need. He'll give you the proper prescription. He really will. Remember the demoniac? He was a cutter. Right. Right. What was his prescription? To go to the 10 cities and give his testimony. Right. Right. Of course, Mary's prescription was to be at his feet. Right. She was always at his feet. Right. And then as patients, we have the ability to choose and to use our reason and our yeah. conscience to um, make a decision as to whether or not we want to participate in that remedy that he provides. Yeah. You know, do we want to you know, walk with him in the manner that he knows is best for us? Remember he told Peter, what was Peter's prescription? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You bet. You know, everybody had a prescription that he gave them, and if you just follow through with that prescription, you're going to be fine. Right. You'll be fine. And and no one goes to the doctor if they have an ailment and expect to be cured instantly that day. It's a process. Right. Everything is a process. Well, and not only that, but, you know, if a doctor uh, prescribes something to you, you don't go get the prescription and then on the way home throw it out the window the out and the window. still expect to be healed. You right. know, God has principles, biblical principles to live by. So it's not just, we're not just saying... Um, that everybody can do their own thing and willy-nilly. It's it's about the biblical principles yeah. of of the way that God's order of creation operates. How it operates. Absolutely. How it works. Yeah. 
So um, God tells us to worship me because we're actually adapt ourselves to the things we admire and devote ourselves to the things that we idolize. Psychiatry calls this modeling, and in the Bible, it is the law of worship. By beholding, we become changed. Our character actually becomes transformed to reflect that which we revere, and that's 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Yeah, and we will gravitate to those people or those things that attract us, that, that, that we like. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the thief on the cross, at the point that he chose Jesus, it looked like Jesus was the biggest loser of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's hanging on a cross naked, mm-hmm. but he forgave his enemies right there at the point of death. And this guy, the thief on the cross, says, I like that. Right. And, you know, the other thing about modeling is is that it's what you're exposed to. And that's why it is very important about what we allow to come into the, our yeah. our mind and our senses. You know, you always use the example of what happens to a little kid when they go in to see a kung fu movie. What happens when they come out? Yeah, they're doing kung fu. They're doing kung fu for how many days? And yeah. they want to go to the next kung fu. And so it's a principle um, that of God's universe, yeah. that we become like that which we worship, worship. and admire. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And so when we worship God in his true form and his true way, we continue to um, we get, grow. We get healthy. Absolutely. We get healthier and healthier and healthier. Absolutely. That, that, yeah. Let's review real quick. Yes, because we went through nature. a lot of information. Yeah, the spiritual nature... Yes. It involves your re- your your reasoning abilities, mm-hmm. your conscience, mm-hmm. and your center of worship. Okay, that's your spiritual nature. That's where you make your decisions. That's one inch behind your forehead. That's your frontal lobe. That's where you think and respond logically to things. And the voice of God speaks to you. And you know, naturally, the 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 more reasonable we get, and the more reasonable choices we have, the more will come along. The stronger the that stronger the- that part of the brain gets. And the more reasonable we we become, right? Because we go through and we talk about the other side, the other nature, the other portions of our mind, and how um, what we practice is what's going to grow stronger. Yeah, and exactly. So we, and it's similar to what Paul went through. He talks about in Romans. I think it's what five, six, seven. And eight, where he talks about those two natures. Oh yeah, in seven Romans seven, yeah, he's saying, yeah, the good that I want to do, I, I don't do. Right, but it's that old guy. Right, and we know from you know history, you know the nature that he was um, following before, and then when he had that that uh, spiritual awakening, um, it changed, and but yet he still, he still had, had the struggle. He still had that battle with that other part of his nature. He's still packing that old brain around. You bet. You know that that brain that was still trying to figure it out. That got angry. That 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 you know thought that uh, retribution was the only way he was going to fix a problem. And right. He would go and enforce people because they weren't worshiping the way. And yeah. so, that you know, the thing is, is that I think that we need to be um, cognizant of these ideas for ourselves, but also for um, people that we come in contact with, because it's important to recognize the battle. You know, yeah. we're, we're in a battle in this planet, but we're also, each one of us have a battle in our mind. Mm-hmm. And are struggling for um, God to have the God. God wants to be supreme in everybody's mind, and and sometimes we give that supremacy over to whatever, whatever. Yeah. And so you know, as as Christians, we should be people who are trying to bring out the the higher nature in people. Yep, yep. You and know? that brings us to our next faculty of the mind, which is the will. Um, 
he uh, God designed that faculty to function at the direction of reason and conscience. In other words, he designed it to uh, to to function at the direction of our spiritual nature. Um, this is the action center of the mind. It's the governor or the executive agent. It's the part of the mind that actually chooses. God's plan intends the mind to function with will under the direction of reason and conscience, but humans don't always follow this divinely intended hierarchy. Right. So we talked about um, smokers in, in a previous program, and they can list a variety of reasons. And I used to be a smoker, so I, I totally am this. Um, you know, you, you know that smoking's dangerous. There's an increased uh, chance of lung cancer, heart disease, stroke, emphysema. Um, you're, you know, harming your children's health, the expense, the odors, the inconvenience, their conscience may convict them to quit smoking. And they may even say to their friends, I wish I'd never stopped smoking. But if they never engage their will and choose to put the cigarettes down and quit, they will keep on smoking. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of chuckled because I, when, you know, when I was going through that, it was a, it was a real battle for me. And the thing is, I just was not exercising my will. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, uh, uh, riddle or a joke that uh, uh, I heard a speaker say one time is three frogs on a log. Okay. One makes a decision to jump off. How many are left on the log? How many are left? Still three because the one only made a decision. He didn't jump off, see? Right. You have to make the decision. You have to follow through. That's where the will comes in. And, you know, so I was thinking about, you know, as we were talking about this, there is such a clear um, illustration of that in, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yep. Yep. You know, Not he, my will, thy will. He used his reason and his conscience rather than what his body told him. And because he totally um, had correct worship as to who his father was— knowing that um, God was bringing him through this, that God was not the cause right. of his agony in Gethsemane. He was bringing him through it. He was being, bringing him through it. And yeah. so that was that huge battle of the will. So yeah. that's a really good um, illustration of the, that faculty. So while God designed the will to operate in the direction of spiritual nature, this is not always the case. When people exercise their will to choose and act in a manner that violates reason and conscience, they damage themselves becoming restless, uneasy, and anxious. When the will follows the direction of reason and conscience, even though it might not feel good at the moment, healing occurs, and internal peace, confidence, and contentment result. And And that's what Jesus experienced. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But this is the—if you violate that conscience, that's the cycle of addiction— the cycle of addiction is violation of reason and conscience, right. which is pain. It's right. painful to do that. Then you self-medicate. You get temporary relief, but there's negative consequences, which are usually a violation of reason and conscience, mm-hmm. which is more pain. And then you self-medicate, and then you get temporary relief, and then you get more negative consequences, which are usually, once again, another violation of your Reason and conscience, and there you go. It's the cycle of addiction. And not only that, but it's the cycle of whatever. It doesn't even have to be drugs. It can be anger. You know, people can get, you know, go through that process, and instead of drugs or alcohol, anger could be there. You bet. Yeah, you put anything there. That's right. Yeah. So, um, boy, there's so much information. This is going to be a really good series. So we have a lot more to get into, but I think we're almost at the end of the program. We are almost at the end of it. I mean, we're just talking about growing and changing our beliefs and those types of things. Yeah. 
and uh, and um, so yeah, but we're we're just about out of time here. Um, we have the great new workbook that we'd love to send out to you. We have uh, people that sponsor our program and our ministry, and so we give them out for free, free shipping, everything. Um, all you need to do is to um, get in contact with us. And um, please leave a message. Listen all the way through my long message and leave a message at the end of the um, the message if you would like to get one of those workbooks. Yeah, so our, our number, of course, is 916-645-1297. Or you can email us or go on, a, go on the web, rather, www.justasiamministries.com and uh, send us a note. Um, and you'll also be able to get the resource there eventually. Um, we also want to just thank you for letting us into your radio. Yes, as we, uh, and as your we, homes, right? And your, your homes, car. and your car, and as we fly over this thing and just give you a taste of this workbook, we hope you're enjoying what you're, what you're hearing. It's really a pleasure for Susan and I to continue to talk about these types of things and tying in how your brain works uh, and the way God works. Absolutely, so, and it's truly life-changing. Yep. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for people whose lives might be overrun with hard decisions, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials that biblical principles do work, and they've put together a workbook with Dr. Timothy Jennings to move yourself or those you love towards freedom. If you would like to order this new workbook, called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison. Please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.